Good morning. I'm Pastor Corey, one of the pastors here on staff at Legacy United Methodist Church. And thank you for being here this morning. So good to see you. I have an umbrella. How many of you are superstitious? Don't raise your hand. Uh, I'm going, in a moment, I'm going to open this umbrella inside. <gasps> I'm not superstitious, so I'm not worried about it. This, the passage we're going to tackle this morning is weird. It's strange. It is interesting. And we're, we are going to tackle it head on. But in order to do that, we need to understand a little bit about how we read Scripture, what we do with passages like this, and how we understand. So those of you who are superstitious, I'm sorry, hold your breath. Oh, yes. This umbrella represents the Bible. You're so impressed by that. I could tell by all the gasps I heard. All the gasps in the room told me that you were impressed by that. All of the books of the Bible, all the stories, everything are underneath this umbrella, are encased in this umbrella. Now, the curvature of this umbrella is made this way for what reason? To keep the rain off. Exactly. The rain comes down and drips off. But we're going to use this as an arc from here to here, the umbrella is an arc that covers every single book of the Bible, every single story. Everything in the Bible is covered from this arc to this arc. The skin of this umbrella is this. It is God's love, God's grace, and God's forgiveness. Every story in the Bible has this common theme, has this thread, has this skin running through it. So it doesn't matter what book of the Bible we read, we have to keep in mind and look for God's love, God's grace, and God's forgiveness. Today's weird passage, we have to remember this. The reason why is because it is dangerous to pull out a story and hold it up by itself and look at it all by itself. It's extremely dangerous. All of you have, are familiar with some modern invention called a car, right? Most of you have one, some of you have two, some of you have more than you would like to admit. And cars get us places. We're used to, they, they turn, right? They accelerate. Uh, they, well, sometimes they do, right? Some of your cars don't accelerate, but they, they accelerate, they stop. We are very familiar with vehicles, with cars. Now, let's say there's somebody on this planet that the only thing they understand about cars are videos that they watch on YouTube, NASCAR videos about oval tracks and crashes. That's all they know about cars. It's just what they've seen on YouTube, you know, over oval track races and crashes. Okay, if that's all they know about cars, then what do they, then what do they know about cars? Dangerous. They're dangerous. They go nowhere. They always go left. Cars only go left. A car is not designed to go right. All they know is that a car will go left, that the, the purpose of driving a car is to get you an accident and to walk away with a helmet going, hey, I'm all right. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? <laughs> but if that's all you know about cars, if that is the only thing you know about cars, because you've pulled that out of the big picture, then you don't have an understanding of what cars can do. Because we know Cars get us places. They take us to doctor's appointments. They get us groceries. Cars can seat from one person to several dozen people in a bus. There's a broader picture to what a car is 
than just those videos about turning left and crashing and surviving, hopefully. Okay? The scripture is the same way. We need to understand that, that the Bible is a love letter to you and to me to help us understand who God is. Now, some of the, some of the parts of the love letter are weird. Some of the parts of the love letter are not rated G. All right? They're not. But through all of the big pictures we read the Bible, we need to keep in mind and look for God's love, God's grace, and God's forgiveness. All right, I need to set that up for you before we dive into this, this scripture. And what we're talking about is what happens when the unexpected happens. Christmas is coming. Sorry to remind you. Christmas is coming. And do you, do you know what it's like to go shopping at, at Target towards Christmas? Like there's a week left and you go to Target. The lines go all the way into the children's clothing, right? You have to get in line back there. And then maybe two hours later, you finally make it to the front to where you're at. You've got your hands on your cart and you're excited. You're like, I've been here forever. I have to use the bathroom. And the person in front of me is finally putting their stuff on the conveyor belt. You're watching them painstakingly put one thing at a time. As she looks up and goes, oh, Mary, hi. Yeah, come on up here. What? <laughs> no, I have been waiting forever to check out. And your friend comes and you're just going to say, come on over. Cut in front of this guy. No. So what happens when life doesn't go the way that we want it to? Oh, I made a baby cry. I'm sorry. <laughs> what happens when life doesn't go the way, the way that we want it to? When someone says to you, wow, did, is that all you had to wear today? Or, well, thanks, Mom. <laughs> it, things come out of the blue because people say and do different things to us that just, just smack us on the head. And this is what happened with Elijah. Now, before we read the passage, just like we talked about when you understand the Bible, when you understand a passage in the Bible, you've got to look at what comes before it and what comes after it. Because you can't just pull it out. It, those people who, who uh, translated your Bible, they put those headings in there. They put the breaks in. They did that. Right? In other words, it's a letter or a book that's supposed to be met, read as a book straight through. Those headings, I wish they were gone because they stop us. We, get, we read a passage, we stop, we think, oh, let's consider this all by itself. And really, that, that heading should be gone and we should keep reading and put it all together. So before this happens, before this weird event happens, Elijah has just lost his mentor, his friend, the prophet Elijah. He's gone. He's died. And Elisha picks up his jacket and takes the mantle of prophet. He is, the, he is God's prophet. 100% he is God's prophet now. Just him. And what that means is that whatever the prophet of God says or does, it happens. Yes, Elijah. <laughs> Parents, you, you, you understand this. You understand this. Okay? When you uh, let your kid go with their bicycle 
the bike wherever they want. You hope that they remember everything you've told them. You hope that they act the way that you've taught them. You hope that they do the things that you want them to do to be good and nice to people. But you have to let them go and do it and to make those mistakes. Elijah is a human being. God has given him all the power and the authority because he is the prophet. He has that power, but he's still human. He stu- God wants him to do the things that he has taught him, but he's still human. You guys know what that's like, right? Yeah. Yep, we make mistakes. We make mistakes. We have urges that go against what God wants us to have, which we're going to talk about in a moment. Okay? So here's Elisha. He is he's on a journey. He has lost his friend. He has these emotions. And now he's going to go for a walk. Let's have that verse. We're in 2 Kings chapter 2. I'm sure you all have it memorized, so let's go. Elisha left Jericho. Uh, Jericho is the lowest point on the earth. How many of you knew that? No? Yeah, I know. I, you, you know everything. So Jericho is on the shore of the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is 1,400 feet below sea level. Okay? So it doesn't matter where you go from Jericho. You're going up, right? Elijah left Jericho and went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, a group of boys from town began mocking and making fun of him. Go away, Baldy, they chanted. Go away, Baldy. (laughs) Elisha turned around and looked at them, and he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of them. From there, Elijah went to Mount Carmel and finally returned to Samaria. What a weird passage. (laughs) What a strange passage. It's very matter of fact. It just tells story. It doesn't say God said to do this. It just tells what happened. Right? So Elijah is going up. He's leaving Jericho. He's going up to Bethel. Everything from Jericho is up. He's on his way. And these youths, these young boys come out. And they start to make fun of him. Hey, Baldy, go, Baldy, keep going, Baldy. I had a math teacher in junior high that said, God made only so many perfect heads and the rest have hair. Keep going, Baldy. Go away, Baldy. <laughs> Elijah turns around. You remember, Elijah has just lost his mentor, Elijah. He is in grief, he's in pain. He is traveling on this road by himself. He is thinking, these boys don't know what he looks like. There's no Facebook page that posts, hey, there's a new prophet. It's Elisha. And they all know what he looks like. They just see this bald guy coming. Hey, baldy. Elisha turns to them, feeling that pain, feeling that. His first reaction, that gut feeling of his is, Call me Baldy, will you? (laughs) And he calls curses down. He calls the Lord's curses down on them. Remember, Elisha is the Lord's prophet. He has been given the power and the authority to do this with the hope that he makes the right decisions. He calls down curses on the boys. And then two bears come galloping out and maul 42 of them. 
Now, the, the Bible doesn't say that they died. That's up to you to, to think about if you think they died or not. But 42 of them were mauled. Now, you remember the illustration with the umbrella. We have to keep in mind the whole arc of Scripture. We have to think about everything. And in that arc, we have to think about where God's love, grace, and forgiveness is. That's tough in this passage, right? But, but only if we don't pull it out by itself. If we think of all of Scripture together. Well, in Matthew 5, Jesus is talking on the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is saying that when someone insults you, in other words, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the left cheek. Well, you know in those movies where there's two uh, military-type dressed people and they argue back and forth and the one takes off his gloves and slaps him in the face? That's the insult. That's the insult. When you, someone slaps you on the right, turn to them to the left and let them insult you again. That's what Jesus wants us to do. That's not what Elijah did. Jesus goes on and he says, love your enemies and pray for them. Because when you do that, then people will know that you're God's child, that you take after him. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Based on what Jesus wants us to do and based on what Elijah did, Elijah screwed up. He didn't do it right. He went for those emotions right away. That thing that was inside of him, the grief, the pain. Grief makes you do weird stuff. And he answered that and he said, fine, I'll maul you. <laughs> and the bears came running. Even though he screwed up. Even though he screwed up. He was still God's prophet. Okay? So what does that mean for us? If Jesus wants us to forgive, if Jesus wants us to live differently, to not act or react the way Elisha did, what does that mean for us? Well, I've been in, I've been in ministry 27 years. Not always United Methodist, I've been in another, another denomination. And I've been, in, I've been in ministry from Kansas to North Dakota. And I'm telling you this because you're not gonna know where or when this story took place. In the church that I was serving, there was a bully. <laughs> Big surprise, <laughs> there's bullies at church. There are, they exist. And this bully, he would, after service, he would corner me back in the office and he'd yell at me for five minutes straight. And as soon as I opened my mouth to say something, he'd turn and walk out. He did that to me twice. And I began to pray talked to my colleagues and they were praying. I prayed, I spent time in the Bible, I spent time meditating, I spent time with God trying to figure out what it is I should do about this situation. How should I react? I know Jesus' words, but he won't even let me speak. I can't turn the left cheek to him because he doesn't give me a chance. And it came to me one day, and I know it was from God, right? Because I didn't say it, it just when, when you spend enough time in the Holy Spirit, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you don't. That's all there is to it. God told me what to do. And that is the next time he does this to you, turn the other cheek. But not this one, this one. 
leave. Walk away. All right. I had no idea that this was going to, that I, I accepted what God was saying. I was like, okay, God, I'm ready. I'll turn, I'll turn my cheek. I just had no idea it was going to happen so soon. <laughs> God, God knew. That Sunday, it was a regular service. As a matter of fact, I was, I was preaching on what to, how to treat our enemies with forgiveness and love. And he was in the second row and he was fidgeting. I could see that he had something on his mind and I thought, oh, here we go. After the service, he's going to corner me again. But before I was able to give the blessing, he stood up and he took over the service and he started yelling at me, at the people. He was mad. And as my gut started to wrench, as my heart started to hurt, as I started to, to sweat because I was not looking forward to this, this was starting to hurt. This was painful. How many of you love conflict? I mean, I, this was going to happen in front of everybody, and I was starting, I was, just didn't feel good. And then it came to me, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, he goes, remember, turn the other cheek. That's what I did. I was going to leave. The problem was, was that my briefcase was between, he was standing between me and my briefcase. Then it had my car keys in it. And so I couldn't just leave without my briefcase. So I had to walk towards him. And he thought that that meant something else, something different than what I thought it meant. <laughs> and as I walked toward him, he got right in my face. And he was yelling. And then he did this. He flinched. I thought he was going to hit me. <laughs> I jerked back, and in that moment, you know in a movie, when something happens like really fast, but in the movie, they stretch it out for a minute, you go through, your life flashes before your eyes type thing? That happened to me. When he flinched and I was pulling back, in my mind, I saw us fighting. Fighting. <laughs> in the front of the church. And I was disgusted. It was abhorrent to me. I was literally sick by the thought of fighting him in the church in front of God's people. It was disgusting. So as I turned, I turned my cheek. <laughs> I grabbed my bag and I walked out. Behind me came, coward! Oh, if he only knew how much courage it took to walk out. I went to my car and I was shaking. I was shaking so hard I could hardly start it. As I pulled away, I began to cry. I don't mean cry, I mean sob. That was traumatic. I called some parishioners at another church and they met with me and we prayed and talked. What do we do when people do this to us? Oh, I wanted to hit them. <laughs> and I could have. Right? I had every right. He flinched at me. But I didn't. The difference is this. The difference between Elisha, Elisha's reaction... And my reaction is this. I had spent time in Scripture praying. 
I was truly concerned about this. And God gave me an answer on how to react. Now, we don't always know what's going to come at us. But just like, just like soaking up something, if we spend our time reading Scripture, spending time in God's love, soaking in Him, soaking in His love, His grace, and His forgiveness, we become so saturated with it that our natural tendencies to knee-jerk, to do this, turns into this or this. This isn't easy and this is not an overnight thing. You can't take a pill and be fixed. You have to spend time in the presence of God's love, sitting on his lap, gazing into his face and taking in the love that he has for you. Then he transforms your heart. And when he transforms your heart, your heart is so transformed that when you react, people say, there is a child of God. Because you react by turning the other cheek, by loving your enemies, and showing them love and grace and forgiveness. That is what God calls us to. Whether they cut in front of us a target, or they flinch in front of you wanting, to hit, wanting you to hit them. We need to spend so much time with God that our reactions become his reactions. Reactions of love, grace, and forgiveness. Invite musicians up, or worship leaders up. And I'd like to pray with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you fill us. Forgive us for those times that we did not react the way you wanted us to. Help us to be steeped in your love and your grace and your forgiveness. So much so that you transform our hearts and that when people see us react, they react with the words, there is a child of God. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you.